Well, good morning. It's so good to be here today. I hope you guys are happy to be here. I have a testimony that is going to lead into my sermon, and so I will begin with just giving it all back to God, of course, as we're supposed to do. Um, It was probably a couple years ago that Pastor Paul recommended to me, and I know he's recommended it several times uh, to, to people, to the church, this book called The Praying Life by Paul Miller. And it is, for me personally, the best book that I have ever read on prayer in my life. And, and it, it honestly, I've thought about this, and it honestly could, could start out with, with Dear Joel and then, and then talk to Joel about prayer. Like, like that's how it hit me. And so it may be different for you, but for me, the best book I've ever read on prayer, I highly encourage it if you have some reading time available. But in, in the book, he recommends, towards the end of the book, he recommends doing prayer cards. And for me, I'm ADD, I'm praying, and, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about other stuff, you know, like, like whoops, back to prayer. And then I'm thinking about other stuff. And, and so I'm ADD, but he recommends prayer cards, and so I do that. And I have a prayer card for like a lot of different things, one for each member of my family. And I have a prayer card that's, that's titled The Impossible. And, and it's funny because since the beginning of this year, with the kickoff service and with our, our prayer vigil that was from 6 to 11 at night and with Pastor Paul's sermons and with testimonies that we hear like we heard today, uh, we're hearing and, and we know and we take for granted, I take for granted that, that God is the God of the impossible. He, he can do the impossible, like, like legitimately, literally. Nonetheless, on my list, which I'll be retitling The Almost Impossible, uh, on my list, one of the things on that list was to be able to preach or teach again. And um, it's something that I really, really enjoy, but, but I've gone through things and I am still going through things physically that, that seems like it took me out of it. And God has... In his sovereignty and in his wisdom, he has allowed this day today to answer that. And I've been praying for this for over a year. And I truly believe, regardless of size of church, that the God has you here today and he has me here today. And I hope and I pray and I have prayed for you and I have prayed for me and I have men in my life and women in my life that are praying for me for this day and, and continually before and after this day as well. Um, but, but I do pray that God's word resonates with you today and that you're listening. I am very passionate about missions. I'm very passionate about overseas missions, reaching the unreached. But I, I am passionate, as we've said, that our focus isn't just overseas. It shouldn't just be overseas. We're here in the now, right now. Here's where we're at. So let's do it here. Let's do it now. And that's, that's where our focus should be, is wherever God has us, that's where it needs to be. So, so that's where I'm at um, with my testimony. And then, and then also adding on to that, just because God has allowed this day for me, but the pastor at the church that we attended in Missouri... His name was Danny Yoder. He told me one time, I taught the adult Sunday school class there, and after church, we would always sit down and have lunch with them, and just talking theology and a bunch of other things, life situations and things. He told me one day that when he preaches, he likes to preach to accomplish a couple of things, and one is he he likes to speak and preach in a way as if it was the last time he was going to have the opportunity to speak, and he also liked to speak as if it's the last time that his hearers it was going to be the last time that they had the opportunity to hear God's word. 
And so, while I don't expect this to necessarily be a grand slam, uh, I do think that maybe in God's sovereignty, this is the last time that I speak. And in his sovereignty, maybe it is the last time that people sitting in the audience today, or myself included, it's the last time you get to hear God's word. And so, it's with that in mind that, that I begin today. And so, let me pray, and then we will get started. Lord God, I do thank you for who you are and for what you do, God. I read your word and I, I feel a lot of times as if I understand you and then you amaze me and show me things that I haven't seen before, that, that I hadn't contemplated or thought of before. Accomplishing impossible things every day and, and things that I take for granted. I take my breath for granted and I take my warm water for granted. I take the the heating blanket on my bed for granted, Lord God. There are such luxuries that I have that I take for granted. And so, Lord God, I am decreasing today legitimately. I am decreasing so that you can increase. Teach us, Spirit. Fill this place. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Lord God, if there are people here today that are wondering... And, and they don't know what's going on in their life, whether that is believer or unbeliever. They are searching, Lord. Then, then Spirit, I just ask that through me you, you encourage and point in the right direction, as we know that you do. And, Lord, if we're here to learn more about missions and to understand what your word says about that and how we are called, then I ask that we understand that as well. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would just bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, that they would be acceptable in your sight, that they would be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in Jeremiah chapter 1. If you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, I'll give you a brief intro to Jeremiah here, just to, you know, it's the first time we see Jeremiah, so to just give you a little bit of a background on who Jeremiah is, he, he comes on the scene about 627 B.C., so 627 years before Christ is when we see Jeremiah come on the scene. He's often referred to, although maybe a lot of you have not heard this term before, but he's often referred to as the lonely prophet. That is because of Jeremiah 16.2. God commands him not to marry and not to have kids. So sometimes the lonely prophet, more often than not, you will hear him referred to as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah's heart breaks for his countrymen, for the state of his nation. His heart breaks. That is an entire series of sermons by itself. I am convicted by that. As I studied this, as I've gone through this, I am very convicted by that. Is my heart breaking for the state of the Route 34 corridor, as we call it? Is it breaking for the state of my, my, my country? And, and I honestly certainly isn't breaking the way that Jeremiah's heart was breaking, you know, so I am convicted by that. Jeremiah authored the book of Jeremiah, of course, and then he authored the next book in the Bible, Lamentations. Now, when I think of lamenting or lamentations, I kind of that's just me, the way I do things is I categorize things, and I'm thinking, you know, like crying, weeping, sobbing, mourning, lamenting, you know, so that, that's kind of how I do it. Maybe I'm off on that, but that's where I put it. But that just shows you again Jeremiah's heart for his people. Jeremiah, uh, his contemporary at this time, uh, the person that was prophesying at the same time as him is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk and Jeremiah both prophesied to the southern tribes of Judah. And so that's where they're at prophesying. Habakkuk comes on the scene 
15, 20 years later, but nonetheless, they're, they're prophesying at the same time. And, and they're saying the same message. We, obviously, as men, have categorized the Bible and Jeremiah as a, a major prophet. Habakkuk is a minor prophet, but their message is, is truth and, and it's from God nonetheless. So Jeremiah prophesies for about 40 years, faithfully for about 40 years. Now, that, that's hard enough for me to comprehend. That's hard enough for me to comprehend this faithfulness that he had in his task that God had given him for 40 years. But then you add to that that uh, he is persecuted, he suffers, he's, re- he's going against opposition. And, and now this is opposition not only from the other kingdoms, the other tribes, the Ammonites, Babylon, things like that, but he, he is going head to head with the people of his own nation and they are telling him no. And, and this is not my text today, but the Holy Spirit's leading me to it, so I'm going to read it. Um, honestly, all the times that I practiced my sermon, this only came up in like the last two times. So I'm going to read this to you just to show you the state of the, the people's heart of Judah when Jeremiah is prophesying. Out of Jeremiah 44, verse 15 says, Then all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, with all the women who stood by, a great multitude... And all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros answered Jeremiah and they said to him, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. The holy city, we're going to burn incense and pour out our drink offerings to the queen of heaven, false gods. That's their answer to Jeremiah. So for 40 years, he's faithful through that. That's, he's, a, he's a hardcore dude. I mean, he, Jeremiah is like the man. It's, it's unfortunate that he has to go up against that because I cannot even imagine what he's internally, what Jeremiah must be going through with, with this, this feeling that he has of the state of his nation, and yet and nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nonetheless, that's him. So have you ever tried telling someone something? Jeremiah's trying to tell his countrymen, hey, don't do that, you know? Have you ever tried telling someone something and they just don't listen? I've had that. I, I can think of things, you know? I, we remember things, and I can remember things that, that people have tried telling me that I don't listen to. I remember one time I was shingling Delilah's dad's house and her brothers were younger at the time and we were standing on the roof and we did the tear off and I've got a cord and a hose running up on the roof and I see her brother marching across the roof and he's going to go towards the cords and the hose and so I stop him. He's got you know a pile of debris in his hand and I say, don't step on the cords or the hoses or any shingle grit or any loose paper or anything like that because you know it's it's like a one way ticket to falling down and maybe off the roof so so don't do that and he just kind of looks at me and I go back to doing what I'm doing right and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye and he goes over there and I'm not joking I'm not making it up he goes over there and he's like He's stepping on it. He's testing it. And then I see him do it a little harder and a little harder. And I'm just kind of watching. And then he, he puts all his weight on it, on the, on the cord or the hose, whatever it was. And as soon as that other foot lifted up to take a step, bam, he was down. And I looked over and I was like, hey, man, you know, you try to tell somebody something and, and they don't listen. So, so you've got to find out the hard way. And so 
That is what Jeremiah is going up against here. And while I laugh about that, and I did, I laughed and I pointed and laughed, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah isn't pointing and laughing, you know. I mean, it's serious here, the state of his countrymen. So, so that's a history, a little background to Jeremiah. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 is just who he is, his father, the king at the time, things like that. But I'm going to start in verse 4. And go to verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, But Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then he put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So the first thing that we see here, very, very important, if you're... Sitting here today and part of your theology, or if you're an unbeliever here today and you're trying to figure out a theology, the first thing we see right away, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. God is a proactive God. God's not sitting back waiting for us to go to him. God is a proactive God. He's moving, he's working, he's in the world, he's doing things. And if that isn't part of your theology then it needs to become a part of your theology. All throughout the Bible, from the very beginning, from Genesis at the very beginning, we see Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, they sin. As soon as they sin, they notice a breeze that they hadn't noticed before. So they go, they make clothes for themselves. And, and their response when they're making clothes for themselves is they're running away from God. They're hiding from God. They're going and they're hiding. And God does what? He's proactive. He is seeking them out. He's coming after them. He goes after them. He goes after his people. John 3.16, fast forward, he comes for the world. God is a proactive God. From the very beginning to the very end in Revelation, God is a proactive God. One of the best books I've ever uh, gone through was Experiencing God by Blackaby. I know many of you have gone through that. It was sat on my shelf for nine years. Nine years that sat on my shelf before, and I was an unbeliever, nine years, and then at the moment of my justification, my regeneration, for whatever reason, the Lord knew more than I did, he put that on my heart, and I walked out of my bedroom after a long stint of crying and sobbing and, and everything else and I just couldn't understand God's grace in my life and I went to the bookshelf and I got this book and it changed my life but, but part of that book is and, and I guess the majority of the book is God is at work he's moving and, and we join him in what he's doing so God is a proactive God he's always moving he's always working I heard a quote literally just last week and the quote was, you are as close to God as you want to be. So, I don't have time to read my Bible. You're as close to God as you want to be. I don't have time for church. You're as close to God as you want to be. 
okay? You're not going to stand before the judge uh, and, 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 you know, I just didn't have time. I've seen people literally tell me that, heard people literally tell me that, and, you know, the whole time they're talking to me, they're on their phone, texting, playing games, whatever they're doing. I mean, you don't have time to read God's Word, and, and I'm kind of a hardcore guy sometimes. I have a mentor in my life who speaks truth to me, and, and he's helping me because a lot of times I'm like Jeremiah where I have told people things and, and like God loves you and he wants the best for you and there's nothing bad that you can do, uh, to nothing bad enough, I should say, that you can do, that, that he won't forgive you. And, and I've had people like, that's stupid. And I'm like, you're stupid, <laughs> right? But then I have this mentor in my life that tells me, don't do that. Don't say things like that. You, you could say the same thing in a different way, and, and it's softer and loving, right? And so that's kind of how I am. Okay, so Jeremiah's up against this opposition. The second thing we see, verse 5, or I'm, I'm sorry, verse 6. But Lord God, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Age is not an excuse. Now, here in the context of God's Word, in the context of Scripture today, we're looking at youth. Jeremiah is a youth. In biblical times, about 20 years old was the dividing line. So we know biblically that Jeremiah was most likely a teenager at this time. The other thing that we have to do is, is cross the principalizing bridge. That's, you know, I, I paid money to go to school, and so I get to use these words sometimes. And the principalizing bridge says this. Here's our culture. We live here right now. And in our culture, kids can come up to us, and they can say things to us, and they interact with us. And it was the same thing back then, but, but there was much more reverence and respect back then. And so now, it's not that it's not a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. I, I encourage my kids all the time. Hey, man, we have an, an, an open-door policy. You tell me anything, and we'll go through it, right? That's what we want from our children. On the bad side, there's, you know, the youth of today tend to be a little bit more disrespectful, I feel, and, and it just seems like that's the way of the world. Well, here, when Jeremiah says, I'm a youth, there's a lot that goes into that. Jeremiah is saying, like, like, like I'm, I'm young, and, and you've got the, the gray hairs, like, I, I can't go tell them what they're doing is wrong. You know, I, I, that, that's, it's just this, this cultural thing that, that we don't understand today, but we need to, to figure it out. So age is not an excuse. And again, it's looking at youth here. But I, I know we know this, but I got to say it, is that we can't take youth here and say, yeah, he's talking to the youth. Because if you're middle-aged, if you're getting older, if you're elderly, age is not an excuse. If God has you here right now and tomorrow he has you going somewhere to serve, then my grandkids or my well-paying job or anything else, my, my house is here or anything like that, that's something that, that we need to set aside. But God has us here. Now, I know because I've talked to so many of you, I know the testimony in your lives and the things that you're saying at your work and the things that you're doing and the people that you're interacting with, and I believe God has you here now. And he has me here now. And so we're here. But age is not an excuse. There are several times in my life when my kids have held me accountable. Now, we had a, a teacher in Bible school, his name was Dan Falls, and he told us, he says, if somebody comes to you to hold you accountable, 
And our response should not be, well, you came with two people and not one, so you didn't do it right. I'm sorry. You, I can't listen to what you have to say. You know, if that's your response, you're automatically going to, you did it wrong. Sorry. That's wrong. So Jeremiah is a youth. My kids have come to me and held me accountable before. And my response, you know, is never, how dare you? You're grounded. Don't talk to me like that. You know, no. I mean, I listen to what my kids say. My kids, uh, they hear things. Our youth hear things. The Lord speaks to our youth the exact same way that he speaks to us. They are an example to us. Sometimes in my life, my kids have done things where... uh, I, I, should, I shouldn't say it amazes me because that's the God that we serve, but my kids have done things and said things sometimes in my life where I have literally said back to them, the student has become the teacher. Like, like just amazing how God works even in our youth. So, age not an excuse. Uh, here we see God holding Jeremiah to a higher standard. So God says, don't say that I'm a youth. Because a lot of times, and this, this hits me, right between the eyes. I I have a negative opinion of myself. I am an insecure person. And so this hits me right between the eyes. But God is holding Jeremiah to a higher standard and he's holding you, if you're a believer, to a higher standard as well. See, the God that, that I serve, that we serve, that Cornerstone serves and recognizes is above all. And so that's the standard. So God's saying, don't say that I'm a youth. You're going to go to whom I send you. You're going to say what I tell you to say. And that's the end of it. That's what you need to do. I often wonder, and have wondered even before this sermon, I often wonder how many people in, in Christendom, in history, have we never heard about? Let's see if I can say this making sense. Have we never heard about because they said no to God? And, you know, we know that this is not a life of popularity, certainly. Hey, I don't, I'm going to be a Christian. That'll make me popular. You know, I, I mean, this isn't a life of popularity. But I wonder how many people, like right here, for example, this should clarify it. If Jeremiah said, nope, would, would there be a book of Jeremiah? How many people has, has God said, look, this is what, what, what I want to do through you. And the response is a negative response or a backtracking or the answer that we give God is, I don't think so, that's not me. And, and not that God doesn't still accomplish that through a different means, but, but people that we've never heard about because the answer is, I don't think so. We had a Bible study, uh, a small group at Kurt and Julie Thompson's house a year or so ago. And one of the things that they challenged us with at, at our Bible study was, this uh, responding to the Holy Spirit in like 10 seconds. So if you hear something from the Holy Spirit, if, if you're uh, doing whatever you're doing and, and the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, you have 10 seconds to respond to that. And, and the 10 seconds is, is obedience. You know, okay, is that from you? Yeah, let's do it. You know, so whether that's I see somebody who's hurting, I'm going to pray for them. Whether that somebody says something at work and I, and I engage them at that level. Whether that is helping somebody with cart of groceries. I don't know. Whatever it is, you engage them. Now, for me, that was fine after a, a, a while of, of trying to figure it out because I would like literally be on my way home from work some days. You know, you're on your way home from work and you're replaying the day's events. And it was like, ooh, man, I bet at 10 o'clock this morning, that's what that was. You know, I, I was supposed to do that. But um, so I, I, I would miss opportunities like that, which drives me insane. But what it became for me 
which was awesome. How the Lord moved in a different way, I guess, a little bit. But it became uh, uh, my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit had increased. Because then instead of looking for those opportunities, what I started doing was I started going, is there something you're going to show me today? Okay, somebody just came into the house that I'm working in. So it, did he say something? Should I say something? I mean, you know, and then it was like this, this conversation with the Holy Spirit, with God that I'm having just to see and to listen and to, and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to encourage you today, is your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to God, is your sensitivity what it should be? And God is calling you to do something or he is, he is he's just poking you, you know, at a heart level to say something or to do something, or to give something? Are you responding to the Holy Spirit? Now, this next point that I'm going to talk about, I've typed a couple of things here, but not too many because I I have a hard time. uh, I I feel as if I have a hard time coming across with this clearly, and especially with things that I deal with in my own life, and that is overcoming fear. Jeremiah is afraid. You don't say, I'm a youth. <laughs> you don't say that without there being fear involved in that. And the God, uh, uh, the God that, that called Jeremiah to prophesy says it. Don't say, I'm a youth. You're going to go to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse 8, do not be afraid of their faces. So God knows. He's reading at a heart level. Jeremiah is not saying it outright, but God's reading at a heart level. Don't be afraid of their faces. Okay, so... There are things in all of our lives, and I'm going to, in, the, in this particular point in my sermon, I'm going to veer away from missions a little bit and talk about life struggles a little bit, but I'm going to tie back in, and, and I just want to keep the focus on missions, but know that, that we're going outside of missions a little bit here, so don't get confused. So fear, okay, so people have told me before in the past, and I'm sure you've heard it before too, pray, uh, I'll pray for you. Get in God's word and, you know, just, just do what you're supposed to do. You know those things. And those are, those are fantastic things. Those are phenomenal things to do. We should be praying. I hope each and every one of you has people praying for you. I've had a huge amount of prayer leading up to this day right here for me standing up here today. And I, I can't tell you sincerely from the bottom of my heart have you if you have been praying for me for this day just how much it means to me and because he's not here i'm going to say one of them one of them is my boss my boss is is a strong man of god and he has been praying fervently for me today and so I, i appreciate your prayers for me um, so those things are good to say. I'll pray for you. You should pray, get in the word, things like that. Those are good to say, but, but now I'm going to go with me. For me, that doesn't do it for me a lot of times. There are things in my life that when I hear that, I go, yeah, yeah, that just didn't, <laughs> it just didn't do it. Okay. And, and so that might show a lack of maturity. That's fine with me. Just being transparent with you. Okay. I need to walk through that. But sometimes that doesn't do it for me. Okay, what does it for me, though? 
And, and I'm telling you this because this does it for me. I hope that it can help you if you're going through something. If you don't understand what the Lord is working out in your life right now, then what does it for me is that in my immaturity and, and sometimes in my bad attitude and sometimes when I just, I, that is not what I want to hear right now. It ain't working. What does it for me is knowing that this is 100% truth and does not lie to me. And so I could go away with a bad attitude still, but I could never ever say that this led me astray or has confused me because this doesn't lie to me. And so I could walk away frustrated at my situation and not understanding my situation still. And Lord God, you still haven't made clear what my situation is and I don't understand that. But I know that your truth is absolute and does not lie to me. It will never lead me astray. So back to what I said at the beginning, my walk with the Lord is as deep as I want it to be. God is a gentle and loving God to his children. We see that right here in verse 9 when the Lord says, or when, when it says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and he said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. This is, this is gentleness, like don't be afraid of them. I'm here, and, and here's my words. You know, you can almost see it's like, like a dad helping a, an infant child with, with food or with whatever or, or something. I mean, this is gentleness. This isn't like, you know, smack, suck it up. What's your problem? This isn't that. God is a gentle and loving God, and he is encouraging us, and he is encouraging Jeremiah here. Like, yeah, you're about to go into something that's going to be rough, but I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. Here's my words. Here's what I have for you to say to the nations. Verse 10 says, and I love this verse, says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdom to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Do you believe that God's over the nations and over the kingdoms? Because I sat here and I thought about this and I contemplated this while I was putting this together and I sat here and I thought about it and I think a lot of times... With lip service, I say, yes, I believe that. But when you actually sit down and think about it, when you actually sit down and you contemplate God being over everything, I mean, God is over everything, absolutely everything. He's over my emotions. He's over my finances. He's over this country's finances. He's over this world. God is over everything. And he tells Jeremiah here, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms because the God that I serve is up here and everything else is down there. And so I am his and he's mine. And because of that, I'm seated up here with him. I'm 
over the nations. And if you're a believer today, you're over the nations. And because we have this word of truth that never lies, that divides to the bones and the marrow and the division of the soul and the spirit, then we have the power of Christ to go and to proclaim, and it will not it will not be a lie that you're telling. You may be talking to someone like the tribe of Judah that falls on deaf ears and they don't want to hear it. But that doesn't make it a less effective message. And then finally here, in the last part of this verse, which is, which is really awesome here, it's to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So this is the God we serve, okay? If you're a believer here today um, and, you've, and you've raised something else up, to try to take God's place. Maybe you don't know you've done it. Maybe you do know you've done it. You've raised something up in place of God. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. It's between you and the Lord. If you're a believer here today, God is not going to compete with that. He will root it out, tear it down, destroy it, pull it down. That's what he's going to do. God's in the business of sanctifying his children. And so if you've raised something up, he's going to root it out and pull it down. If you're an unbeliever here today, uh, that is the part of, if, if you put your trust in Christ, that is the part of being a new creation. He is rooting out and pulling down all the, the garbage, and, and then you're a new creation, which is the beauty of to build and to plant. Because our God does not tear something down, rip something down in our lives, and walk away. There you go. He doesn't do that. The God that I serve will tear something out of my life and it'll hurt. But then he replaces it with the truth and with his love and with his encouragement. And I don't understand that. A lot of times I don't understand that. Like like I've done this and you've replaced it with your love and generosity. The world is dying. And I cannot say this dogmatically, of course, but, but I feel like this world is, is quickly coming to an end. And I know that that has been said for 2,000 plus years. I got that. But I, I truly feel like this world is quickly coming to an end. And so I'm going to end with this little bit of a testimony. And it, it makes me look like um, the moron that I am sometimes, but how good God is too. And that is I was at work last week and... I, was, I had this little corner that I'm set up in, um, and, and, and there's like, and I'm not kidding, there's like 80 electricians in there, which is rare. There's usually like three. There's like 80 electricians in there, and all their stuff is in there. They're running wire. They're putting lights in and everything. Um, and, and I've got this little corner, and this one particular guy that's driving me insane is like going over there and putting all this stuff right in front of like my saw. And it's like, you know... Um, can, can you move your stuff? And then I'll go over there and I'll move his stuff. And then the next time I move his stuff, it's like with my foot, you know. And then the next time it's like, you know. So this is my attitude, right? And then, uh, so, so he's having an attitude. And then he's moving my stuff. So he can move my stuff. I think it's probably to get me back, which is fine. So I, I'm, I'm struggling. And so then I'm sitting there working. And the Holy Spirit just, just like, you know, one of those. It's like, hmm. And he says, you like like this, I'm telling you, this is just how it went, okay? The Holy Spirit has me just look at this guy. Just, just, Joel, look at this guy. 
No, he didn't know I was looking at him. That would have been awkward, right? Hey, you know, but, but he says, Joel, just look at this guy. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm frustrated. This has been going on for about an hour or so, and I'm getting frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And the Holy Spirit says, look at this guy. And so I'm sitting there looking at this guy, and just the thought that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart was, is your anger worth his soul? Woo. And it wasn't. And so I went down there, and I pulled my stuff a little bit further into the corner as much as I could to give him as much room as possible. Um, and, and it worked out that, that he saw that. And, and I wasn't doing it so he would see it, but it worked out that he saw that, and he came to me, and, and things just kind of melted away. And then, and then he was cool, and I was cool, and there was no, do you want to go to church? And there was no, hey, can I share the word of the Lord with you, you know, there was nothing like that. But at the end of the day, just just those silent little things that the Holy Spirit lays on your heart and how he moves you. Is, is my anger worth that man's soul? And I don't know because this is a builder that we work for all the time. So I most likely will see him eventually again and that could foster into something else. And I don't know what it could foster into. But I'm just saying this to say that I, I truly, legitimately believe that, that this world is quickly, quickly coming to an end if the Lord doesn't tarry and if He comes soon. And, and I could be wrong on this, but I just feel that way. I, I, I just see things and I, and I wonder and I, I feel things. And I just wonder, is, is it worth it for the people that we are around every single day to say something? To say something. Anything. I, and I literally mean anything. A lot of us don't talk at all. You don't, don't talk about the Bible. Go ask them how their night was. Get into somebody's life. Is that worth that person's soul? Feel me fail and fear to rise.